Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Are you ready to celebrate the great feast of Corpus Christi this week? That solemnity in which we celebrate the gift of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity? I want to get you ready for this one. I'm going to help you get ready spiritually. I'm going to help you especially get ready biblically. I'm going to take you in this special edition of All Things Catholic to the Holy Land, to Capernaum, to the very synagogue where Jesus gave the great bread of life discourse. And this podcast was recorded while on pilgrimage this last year. And I want to share with you a little bit of the biblical background of what took place in that bread of life discourse, which gives us some of the richest theology in sacred scripture about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Have you ever had a really bad day? where just everything seems to be going wrong and you were coasting in life and things were going well at home or in the workplace or in your ministry, in your parish, whatever you're doing, and then all of a sudden everything just crashes down all around you and you're wondering, what just happened? Why did this happen? Well, if you've ever had a moment like that, you may look at what happened to Jesus right here in the place we're standing on here in Capernaum. So we're on pilgrimage here in Capernaum, and there's something that happened in this very place. We are in the synagogue, we're, uh, uh, right over the, the where the synagogue in Jesus's day was and where many of the Jews worship, where Jesus entered so many times. But he gave a very important teaching right here in the synagogue in Capernaum that was not received well. Let me give you the context, a little bit of background. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus performs his greatest miracle to date. He multiplies the loaves and the fishes in order to feed 5,000 people. And at the end of that scene, the people are ecstatic. They're so excited about Jesus. They say, this truly is the great prophet we've been expecting to come. And they want to carry him off and make him a king. So Jesus reaches like the the height of his popularity. The, The crowds are just so ecstatic about him. But then the very next day, Jesus will come into this place of Capernaum right here at the synagogue, and he's going to say something. He's going to teach about something that's going to send his public approval ratings plummeting. He is all of a sudden going to be now opposed, misunderstood, uh, and hated by many of the people here. And even some of his own disciples are going to say, I I can't follow you anymore. So people who gave up everything to follow Jesus for a long time are all of a sudden going to say, no more. They're going to draw the line in the sand and say, we cannot follow you anymore. And they leave Jesus that day and Jesus lets them go. What did Jesus talk about here in the synagogue in Capernaum? What did he say that was so controversial? It was here that he talked most explicitly about the great gift he wanted to give us in the Eucharist, the famous bread of life discourse. You've heard about this bread of life discourse, right? When Jesus talks about, I I am the bread of life, and he wants to give us his flesh to eat. Well, that famous teaching, I want you to think about it, took place here. We're going to go to Jerusalem on pilgrimage later this week, and we're going to go, and we'll remember the Last Supper where Jesus instituted the Eucharist. But here in Capernaum, a year before, 
one year before the Last Supper, he gives the teaching about what he was going to give us the year later in the upper room. We know it's the time of Passover. That's what John's Gospel, chapter 6, tells us. It's the time of Passover a year before Holy Week when Jesus will go to Jerusalem and die. And he, he gives us this, this beautiful teaching, a foreshadowing of the gift of the Eucharist. He says in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. So he talks about how he's the bread of life. And when the Jews hear this, they, they, they're frustrated. In John chapter 6, verse 41, it says, The Jews murmured about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this the son of Joseph? And don't we know his father and mother? How could he say that, that he's come down from heaven? Who is this guy? Now, I want to linger on this because there are many people, many Christians, who think that when Jesus talks in John 6 in the Bread of Life discourse, he's not talking about the Eucharist. They'll say he's not really talking about how we have to really eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. This is just a metaphor. He's just using poetic language, just figurative imagery here. You know, it's more like we're supposed to feed on his teaching. The words of Jesus, his wisdom nourishes us. This is all just a, a, a nice metaphor. We're not really supposed to eat of his body and blood. But if you, you look carefully at this, this passage, notice how the Jews interpret him. Do the Jews interpret him as speaking poetically? They interpret him, oh, he's using beautiful figurative language. Let's, let's nourish ourselves with wisdom from Jesus. No, they're, they're frustrated. How, how can he say that he's bread come down from heaven? So they clearly are understanding him metaphorically or more, or more realistically. Realistically, right? And what does Jesus do at this moment? Does Jesus back up and say, oh, wait, my, my friends here in Capernaum, I'm sorry, you misunderstood me. I'm not talking about that I'm really bread and that you have to really eat of me. No, no, I, I'm just using figurative language. It's, it's just a metaphor. Is that what Jesus does here? No, he doesn't. In fact, his language gets more intense, more realistic. Listen to what he says in verse 43. Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. And he goes on and he says in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So they're murmuring about him talking about bread. He doesn't back up and try to soften his language. He actually gets more intense. I am the living bread that, come, that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. So Jesus gets even more graphic. He says, this bread, it's my flesh. And at this, how do the Jews respond? Do they go, oh, thank you for that clarification. We think... You're just speaking figuratively here. No, 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 they see. They see quite clearly the intense, realistic language Jesus uses. And in verse 52, picture the Jews here in the synagogue in Capernaum, just how frustrated they were over this. Verse 52 says, The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So it's clear Jesus is speaking realistically. That's how the Jews understand him. 
and they're frustrated by it. How can we, this is gross. He's going to give us his flesh to eat. And yet Jesus goes on and now he doesn't back up the bus again. He doesn't try to clarify and soften the language. He gets even more intense. He says in verse 53, amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food indeed and my blood is true drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Does that sound like someone trying to use just vague figurative metaphorical imagery? <laughs> I mean, he, he's just getting so graphic. He's like, I'm just like, almost like in their face. Do, do, do you get this? You really have to eat my flesh. You really have to drink my blood. And, and, and to make this even more clear, you might not notice it in your English translation of the Bible, but the language Jesus uses here for the word eat changes. It changes. Previously, he was using uh, uh, the, well, the, in the Greek presentation in John 6, the language Jesus used earlier in the dialogue was a word phagate, which means just, it means to eat. And it normally means eating food, but it, it, it sometimes could be used in that more figurative sense of nourishing oneself with maybe wisdom from God. You, you might be able to use it that way. In most cases, it's just normal eating, but it's possible it could be used in this more symbolic way. But here, when we get into this next phase in verse uh, 53 and following, the word changes for eat. And he, he, when, he, when he concludes this dialogue, he, he, he uses a more graphic word, the word trogain, which means to chew or to gnaw. So when Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, he's saying, whoever chews on my flesh, whoever gnaws on my flesh, I mean, real graphic language here to emphasize the point, you really have to eat of my flesh. This is a word that would not be used in any kind of figurative sense here. So what happens at the end of this? In verse 60, many of his disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? Who can accept this? And so there's a number of his own disciples now. It's not just the crowds. It's not just the Pharisees. It's Jesus' own disciples who've been following him. They crossed the sea with him. They, they, they've gone on ministry with him. And now they're the ones saying, wow, this is really tough. And what does Jesus do? Does he go up to them and say, oh, sorry, guys, you misunderstood. I was just speaking, speaking metaphorically. Uh-uh. You know what's going to happen? He's going to let them go. That's what happens in verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. It's over the Eucharist. Jesus does not compromise his teaching on the Eucharist. He wants to be near us. He wants to nourish us. He wants to enter into our souls. He wants to be in the tabernacles all around the world so we can go close to him. You're here on a pilgrimage to walk in the footsteps of Jesus here in the Holy Land. And it's amazing. We've seen amazing things. We got to go on a boat ride on the same sea that Jesus went on boats on, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we're later today going to get to go up on the mountain where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. We're here in the synagogue where Jesus taught. We just saw Peter's house where he did all of his ministry. It's amazing. But this is nothing compared to what you all have back in your homes, whether it's in Arizona or Oklahoma or Kansas or Pennsylvania or Florida. You have Jesus in the tabernacle. You didn't have to get on a plane to see Jesus. He's right there in your own hometown. And you can go to him. And he wants you to come near to him 
This is, this, is, this is the heart of our Catholic faith. He wants, love wants to be near the one it loves. And Jesus is, is the God who is love. And he loves us so much he didn't just stay up in heaven. He came down and dwelt among us right here in this land of Israel and right here in Capernaum. But he loves us so much that he, he wants to be on our altars. He wants to be in our tabernacles, in our own towns, to be close to us. Will you go near to him? This is so important to him that he's not going to compromise his teachings. That's what many people do. Many teachers, many politicians will compromise their teachings. Oh, I see the crowds are leaving. Oh, my ratings are, 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 are going down. I'm not getting as many likes on social media. I better compromise and refashion myself, repackage myself so I can get more listeners, get more followers, get more people coming. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus is love, and he wants to be near us, and he's not going to compromise his teaching. So he lets his own disciples go. Then he turns to the, the 12, and he says to them, are you also going to leave? And then Peter steps forward, and what does Peter say? He says, oh, Jesus, we got this. I know what you're talking about, transubstantiation. <laughs> Is that what Peter says? No, no, no. no. Peter's like, uh, Lord, uh, to whom else should we go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life, and we've come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy Son of God. In other words, Peter's basically saying, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> You're blowing our minds. This is, this is, this is wow. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. I, I, we don't get this. But the one thing we do get is you're God. You're the Holy Son of God. We trust you. We trust you. If you have any struggles in faith, there's some teaching of the church. You wonder, why does the church teach that? Why does the church keep talking about how we have to care for the poor and welcome immigrants? I, I don't understand all that. I mean, if you wonder why does the church teach this something, you're not sure about that. Or maybe you're not sure. Why does the church teach about abortion? Why does the church teach marriage has to be between a man and a woman? What, what's wrong with homosexual acts? If you, if you ever wonder what, about these, these teachings, it's okay to have questions. But will you have the attitude of a Peter who goes humbly before God? before the Son of God and says, we trust you. He may not understand, but he trusts. And he trusts that Jesus will eventually show him and help him to see what he can't see on his own. Do you have that kind of faith in Jesus and his church? Well, what happens at the end of the scene here? Jesus lets, lets them go, and he lets the crowds go, and now his whole ministry is just dramatically gotten smaller very just overnight there's one little line I'm going to leave you with it tells us back in verse 41 the Jews murmured against him that language murmuring do you remember the Israelite people murmuring other times in the Bible when was that in, in the Exodus story in their journey through the wilderness in the desert on their way to the promised land and do you remember in the book of Numbers what they were murmuring about they were murmuring about the bread they were murmuring about the bread. Now we think, isn't that wonderful? God gave us this wonderful manna. We get manna every day. It's awesome. I don't have to cook. It's great. But after a while, when you're eating manna for 40 years, <laughs> or even just 40 days, that gets old after a while. You're eating all this manna and, and, and just, I, I long for something else. I, I, I miss the, the flush pots of Egypt and I, I miss the garlic in Egypt, you know. I, I miss, there was all this great food. Yeah, we were slaves, but we had great food. Our bellies were at least full. And they murmured about the bread. And you know what happened? God said, you don't want this bread? 
you don't want the gift I have to give you? I want to give you this great promised land and you're going to murmur about this bread? <coughs> then you can stay out here in the wilderness. You don't have to go in to the land that I'm going to give you, the promised land that will be flowing with milk and honey. And as a result of their murmuring about bread, they were disinherited. And they died in the desert and never got to go to the promised land. Let that be a reminder for us. If there are people that want to follow Jesus, but they murmur about the bread, the bread of life that he talks about in John 16, what's the pattern? In the Old Testament, you murmur about the bread, you are disinherited, you don't get the promised land. In the New Covenant era, there's Jews that murmur about the bread. Even Jesus' own disciples murmur about the bread. And what happens? He lets them go. And they're not going to have the covenant relationship with Jesus as his disciples. That's how important the Eucharist is. If you want to be a faithful Christian, you want to follow Jesus, don't murmur about the bread. Rejoice in the bread of life that he gives us in the great gift of the Eucharist. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to this special edition of All Things Catholic, recorded live in the Holy Land in Capernaum, over the synagogue where Jesus gave the Bread of Life discourse. As you get ready for the great feast of Corpus Christi this week, please share this podcast with others so they can be spiritually prepared to enter in to the gift of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Thanks so much again for listening, and you can always reach out to me with any questions at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. You can find me on my website, edwardsree.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. God bless. Thank you.